Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This series named Signs is for you to answer the question, why give Jesus authority over my life? I love watching the conversations and the laughter and, and all that's going on. It's, it's exciting. When you come into a brand new social situation, whether if it's a new job or the first day at a new school or your buddy invites you to a party and, and, and all you know is your buddy and everybody's there and you don't know anybody else, what is going through your mind? Brand new to a brand new social situation. What's going through your mind? Awkward. What? When can I leave, right? When can I leave? What's going through your mind? Brand new social situation. What's going through your mind? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Bueller. How do I get to know these people? How do I get to know these people? Anybody else? Anybody else? The in and anybody, huh? You you like you like being anonymous. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, that's all, folks. All right. Okay, okay, Finding Nemo. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared just wants to know if they're married. That's all he wants to know. All right, if you weren't here last week. Then, yeah. Here's what I'm going to focus in on. Here, here, here's what I'm going to focus in on. When we're brand new to a, to a social situation, I think some of us hit on some, some of this. If we're brand new to a social situation, there's one question, or one main question, probably several, but one main question that comes to, to your mind. Comes to your mind. Will I fit in? Will I fit in? Do I fit in here? Showing up to a new job, do I fit in? Showing up to a new school, will I fit in? Showing up to a party where you don't know anybody, will I fit in? Will I fit in? We're the third week in a series called Signs, and we're, we're, we're seeing that the, the truth is out there. The truth is out there about Jesus, and no matter what your background is, we want you to know that the truth is out there about Jesus, above our stereotypes, above our perceptions, above what we think we know about Jesus. The truth is out there about Jesus, and I want everybody to ask one question throughout this series. Why would I give authority to Jesus. Why would I give authority to Jesus? I want people who are fans, who know Jesus, who, who have been fans of Jesus for a long time, I want you to ask that question and answer that question. Those of you that would say, I'm not a fan of Jesus. I, I'm just checking this thing out. I've been out of church for years, or I've never been in church. We want you to ask that same question. Why would I give authority to, to Jesus over my life? Because the people in Jesus' day were asking that same question. And each week, we're asking a different question about Jesus. First of all, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? That's the first week, a couple weeks ago. Who is Jesus? We saw that he was the branding of God, making the concept of God, who God is and what he will do. That abstract concept, he's making that concrete. And, and, and Jesus is God with flesh on, and he's making the concept of God concrete. And last week, we answered the question, what was the work that Jesus did? And we saw that Jesus, the work of Jesus was the forgiveness of God. And that this goes back to the grace upon grace upon dump truck full of grace that, that God wants to give to us. And he gives that to us through Jesus. Jesus. 
So this week, will I fit in? Will I fit in? This is probably the place that people ask this question the most. This church. Will I fit in? And people probably stay away from church the most because they feel like the answer to that question is no. Whether it is a perception or whether it is the reality in their history. And people who consider themselves a part of the church that should just break your heart. Will I fit in? A few years back, uh, my wife and I went to Bowensville, New York, a suburb of Syracuse, to plant a church for, and we were there a couple years. It failed, didn't work out. But when we moved in um, uh, to our apartment building, we were moving everything in, and, 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 and a couple days later, we, uh, one of the guys in the, in the apartment building came up. He said, hey, when you guys were moving in, I, I, I saw that you had a guitar. Like, you play. I was like, oh. Kinda. He said, "Well, <clears throat> I lead an open mic, and I do some concerts and stuff in the in the local pubs here in the in the area. And hey, why don't you come out sometime?" And so I went. I went um, on a on a Saturday night. He was playing, and I went. And uh, I, my wife at the time, we we had two kids at the time, and you know we're not going to drag them out at ten o'clock to a pub, you know, and, and so I went by myself, because we just parachuted in, we just landed in, and we didn't know anybody, and, and so I, I went, and I showed up, and, and uh, he was playing, and, and, and I, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. You know what was going through my mind? Well, I fit in. Well, I fit in. I'm an introvert by nature. I'm an introvert by nature, and so new social situations wig me out. I hate them. Hate them. Don't want to be a part of them. I, I referee soccer, and if I have to travel somewhere with somebody I don't know, I get nervous. Palms sweaty, just ugh, just ugh. And so I was there drinking my Coke and eating my wings and looking around, and he introduced me to some people, but I didn't really know them. And they were drinking their not so coke and, and if they were it wasn't just coke and they were eating their wings i was feeling a little uncomfortable like a fish out of water and then it dawned on me you know what you know, Syracuse is 4% evangelical and these are people that will say this on a fill in the blank or fill in the bubble survey 4% evangelical. The, the, these weren't like our deacons here where they'll show up at church on Sunday and then go to the bar on Saturday. They didn't go to church. If they showed up to church tomorrow morning, I feel like a fish out of water here. What are they going to feel like? Well, I fit in. I can know the work of Jesus. I can know who Jesus is, but do I fit in with Jesus? Does Jesus care about outsiders? Does Jesus care about people that, that aren't a part of what he's doing? Does he care? 
guy by the name of John wrote down one of the four stories that we have of Jesus' life. And, he tell, and, and this isn't a guy that wrote this hundreds of years later after Jesus. This is a guy who walked with Jesus for three years. And he wrote down before he died what he experienced with Jesus. And he wrote, and he gives us this story that we're going to read. John chapter 2, starting in verse 13. You can follow along on the screen, or you can open up a hardbound Bible, or get your uh, uh, mobile phones out, or your tablets out. Here to serve is our Wi-Fi code. And we've had some issues with our router, so uh, uh, that may not work. You just tap into bears down the way, and we'll be good. <laughs> But uh, you can uh, download the Bible app. We put all of our verses down on the, on the, in, into the Bible app as far as events. And you can, you can take notes in the Bible app. You can actually Facebook and, and, and put out some things that, that God is laying on your heart to Facebook. We love people for people to do that. But we're going to look at a story that's going to answer the question, what about outsiders? Does Jesus care about outsiders? Will I fit in with Jesus? John 2, 13, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. The Passover celebration was one of the very few times that, that, that all the Jews from around the Mediterranean rim would come back to Jerusalem. So because it was before, right before this time, they were all coming back to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was a little bit overcrowded. And Jesus himself went to Jerusalem. Now, this is the first Passover celebration after Jesus started ministry. We're like just a few months into Jesus' ministry. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at the tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he said, to them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remember this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. And if you've been around church for any period of time, you've probably heard this, this story, especially in conjunction with maybe somebody that came in and was singing at, a, at your church, and then, but they were told they can't sell CDs because, well, we don't want our church to become a marketplace. Maybe you're left going, really? Is that what this is all about? And those of you that maybe not heard this story, you're going, wait a minute. What happened to cute, cute cuddly Jesus? I mean, there's no flannel board graph for, you know, postal Jesus. What's up with this? What is up with this story? What is going on? Why did Jesus go nuts on these people? You know, John assumes that you know the, 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 the system of worship in that day because he's writing in that day where, where, where for Jews to read. But we're, we're all Gentiles. We're not Jews. And so we're, what's going on here? So Jesus is coming into the temple. Jesus is coming into the temple and he's looking around. And he starts getting upset. He starts getting upset. And he sits down. And he starts 
to work on a whip. Now, I wasn't going to make a whip here, but I got one. Denny always comes through in a time of need. He sits down. I'm guessing that he's, he's starting to get a little bit upset, and he's putting this together and braiding it together, going at it. As he's going through it and braiding it, you know, it's not going to take like three minutes to braid a whip, right? He's going through and he's getting more more upset and he's doing it and he's braiding it and he's watching everything happen. Then he's getting upset and by the end he's probably more like Yosemite Sam, like and then he gets done and he. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> and he just goes crazy. Whip and 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 and, and turn over the tables and 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 and, and do, uh, getting the coins off the table and letting the doves go free and get out of here, goats and sheep and going and just chaos is happening. People are going, whoa, what's going on? I know that the, when, when I started ministry in my first ministry across town, across Springfield, in my first few months of ministry, I didn't dare do this. Ministers don't do this. this when, when you're looking for another job, you don't want this on your, on your references. He was great except for that day. <laughs> Whoa. Oh no, what was up with that? So Jesus is doing this in his first few months of ministry. And, 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 and why on earth would he do this? We have the image of the temple ready. The temple was a massive complex, a massive complex. And, and the temple itself was right in the middle of it. And Jesus walked into this, the outside courts. It's called the court of the Gentiles. This is the only place, the only place that people who were not a part of the Jewish system of worship, this is the only place they could go to find out who God is. This is the only place that they were supposed to be able to go to be able to pray to the one true God. This is the only place that they were, they were able to go to find safety and rest in the, in, in, in the presence of God. See, only Jewish men could go into the next spot, the, 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 the spot that is, is the closest to us inside the wall within the wall. The Jewish men could only go into there. Gentiles couldn't go into the ne- that next spot. And that's where they sacrificed. And then further on, uh, only the priest could go, to, could, could go through that next gate there. And then the, the, the high priest is the only one that could go into that building, into the Holy of Holies. See, the big deal about that is that the Holy of Holies was where God resided. That wasn't the figurative or the symbolic residence of God. This is where God resided, right on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. I don't think Indiana Jones here on me, but right on top of the Ark of the Covenant. But the outside is where the only place that the Gentiles, those that didn't know God, could come to find God. And Jesus walks in. Jesus walks into this to this outside and there people are selling doves and sheep and lamb they were exchanging money 
But this was very practical because the Jews had scattered. The Jews had scattered. When they came back, they were traveling from distant lands. They weren't... Try holding a dove. Then try holding a dove while riding on a donkey. I mean, it's a difficult thing to do, right? Or bring a sheep in from, from hundreds of miles while you're walking. That's difficult to do. It was practical that they would sell uh, lambs and doves for them to come and sacrifice to, to, to worship during the Passover. And it was very practical to exchange money because, because they were coming from other countries and they had other currency. And so it was very practical. Imagine if each state had its own currency and we went to worship uh, at a church in another state, but we wanted to give to that church. And it would be very practical to be able to have exchange right there in the church. It would be very practical. But there were two issues that were going on. First of all, those on the inside... We're creating an environment where the, those on the outside, the only place they could go, they were creating a zoo. This was not a quiet place to come pray. This was not a place that they could come find God. This was not a place that they could come rest. This was not a place that they could come, come and find safety. This was not a place where they could come and pray. And so those on the inside were pushing those on the outside farther out. Because of what they were doing. And second of all, what they were doing was that they were hiking the exchange rates. Or they were hiking up the price of the goats and the doves so that they could get a little bit extra. They were taking advantage of the people. They were cluttering their spot to pray. And they were taking advantage of them. Ever been to a professional sports game? You get a little bit of hungry? You go get in line for the concessions? You're looking at the menu, and by the time you get up to the, to, the, to the front and you give your money, I don't know about you, but I feel a little bit violated. Or you go to the movies, I think the movies are worse. Like, how can you sleep at night? This is what they were doing. So what does Jesus think about outsiders? He got ticked on your behalf. He got mad on your behalf to those that were on the inside pushing the, those on the outside further away. He got mad. He got ticked on your behalf. Like, well, that's what I've experienced three months ago or three years ago or 40 years ago. You mean to tell me Jesus maybe still got ticked at that? Hey, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, this doesn't give us permission to go turn over tables in another church, but what we need to pay attention to is what Jesus is telling us right here and right now, not what anybody else is willing to do. Maybe we're left like, okay, that's all interesting and that's fine and that's fascinating, but... I mean, really, what is the big deal about this? I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, he could have just given a sermon, right? I mean, he flipped over tables. He went nuts. He went crazy. What's, what, why? 
Maybe some of you are like, wait a minute, hold on, time out here. If Jesus was God, like you said two weeks ago, if Jesus was God, and, 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 and it's, therefore if he's God, he like wrote the Old Testament, he gave the system in which they, they were worshiping, if, then, then is he like getting ticked off at his own system? What's going on here? What's happening? Isn't that a little bit like two-faced? I mean, what? What's happening? John 2, 18. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you the authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. Prove it for me. Prove it to me. Do something. Perform for me. They were asking, what gives you the authority to do this? Because in so doing this, Jesus was basically saying, I have authority over you, right? What gives you the authority? Why should I give you authority over my life? Over the way we are doing things? All right, Jesus said. Alrighty then, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. Jesus was, was famous, known for giving little riddles, especially to the religious leaders of the day, because they saw things in such one way, such one way, that he would say it, and they would hook, line, and sinker, they'd take it, and run with it, and, 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 and he's like, yeah, you don't get it. Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. What? It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? It's taken 46 years of the best workers known to this area. It's taken 46 years for the leader with all the money in this area to build this temple. And you're going to build it again in three days? What are you talking about? Are you crazy? But when Jesus said this temple... He meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. I mean, imagine being the disciples in this moment. Like, they followed Jesus for all of like two months. And here he just goes nuts. Like, what have we gotten ourselves into? He's like, what he is talking about what Jesus is talking about is that his body is the temple. He is not destroying the system of worship he wrote in the Old Testament. What he is doing is he's pointing back to the Old Testament and saying, you, you, you misinterpreted this. You have taken a hold of the system of worship that I wanted to build 
And you've added your own structure. You've added your own deal. You've, you've, you've decided that it's all about the physical building. It's all about the way you do things. It's all about the way you think. It's all about the way you view God. It's all about, the, about, about what you can do. It's all about how good you can be. It's all about all of this. And not anything about what I intended in the first place. So let's take a little journey and see what God intended in the first place. Deuteronomy 12.5, but you shall seek the place, the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name. Basically saying there's going to be a place where I will put at this point in time the tabernacle, which was, which was the, the younger brother to the temple, and make his God's habitation there. Temple is where God's presence was among his people. But it wasn't just about, oh, we've got God's presence. Thank you very much. Yeah, na, 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 na. Deuteronomy 10, 18 and 19. He ensures, God ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows loves to the foreigners, the Gentiles, the non-fans living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners, to Gentiles, to the non-fans. For you yourselves were once foreigners or Gentiles or non-fans in the land of Egypt. See, God's presence, God's presence was among his people for all people. God's presence was his presence among his people for all people. The temple in the Old Testament was God's presence among his people for all people. And then here Jesus is. He shows up calling his body the temple. But John himself set the foundation here for us. In John 1.14, well, in 1.1, he called the word God. And then John 1.14, he said, so the word became human. The word became flesh and made his home or made his dwelling among us. What do we sing about at Christmas? Emmanuel, right? What does that mean? God with us. Jesus is God with us, but... If you've been around church at all, you know this, John 3, 16. For God loved the, his people, world, so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes, who? His people who believe? The insiders that believe? The four, us four, no more that believe? Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus was God's presence among his people for all people. She's like, well, that's fine. Jesus isn't among us now. Got a verse for you too. Dude by the name of Paul, who once was an insider pushing outsiders away. But he was radically transformed, 
wrote this, Ephesians chapter 2. Awesome verses. Verses that I bring out every so often. So now you Gentiles. So now you non-fans. So now you who didn't know God are no longer... Oh, the wording is very, very intentional here. We've heard this before today, haven't we? Strangers and foreigners. You're no longer on the outside looking in. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are one of God's holy people. You are members. God's family. Together. All of us, Jews and Gentiles, fans, non-fans. We are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming what? The holy temple for the Lord. And in just in case, you don't understand what the temple is supposed to be. 2.22, through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling. Dwelling where God lives by the Spirit. So right now, right now, the church is God's presence among his people for all people. Those of you that believe in Jesus, you are God's presence among his people for all people. Those of you that are going, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I'm just kind of checking this thing out. I'm just coming back in. We do this. So that you can have a taste of God's presence. So what does this practically look like? Everything we do in here, in this building, this building, this building, you know what it's made of? Wood and steel? Drywall? Some electric? of toilets you know what's special about that nothing nothing the building is merely a tool in which God people God's people uses to gather together so that those who don't know his presence can experience his presence and so when we show up as people who believe, we've got to have that on our mind. I am here this morning in order for people who don't know God's presence to experience God's presence. So let's get into the mind of someone who is wondering when they pull into this parking lot, will I fit in? Will I fit in? Is there anything that we can do out in the parking lot that would allow people asking that question to answer that, well, I guess that maybe I, I will fit in here. And what about people who, who walk in asking, will I fit in? And all they see is a group of people talking with each other, clogging up the main way to get into this, get into this room. The one place they want to come and sit down. 
And they walk in and all they see is a clog of people that are talking. How are they going to answer that question? Maybe, maybe not. I can't even get to the door. What if we have some people step up and lead and say, hold on, I'll talk to you afterwards. Talk to you afterwards. And we have people with heads on, their, on a swivel looking for new people, looking for people that, that they are willing to show grace upon grace to. They see somebody that's new and they go up and go, hey, I'm Shane, Jessica, I'm Taylor, I'm Gideon, I'm so-and-so. So good to see you this morning. What's your name? Hey, there's some donuts, there's some pastries, there's some coffee here. Because what they've seen it already. What are they asking in their mind? Is it free? <laughs> you know, hey, all that stuff right there, it's free. Take it. Hey, I see you have kids. Down, our hall, down this hallway is where, where our kids are. I want, you to, I want to introduce you to Cheryl. I want to introduce you to some of the children's team. You take them down the hall. And children's team, this is why it's important to show up 15 minutes early. So that you're ready when non-fans drop off their kids. Because what are they asking? Will my kids fit in? Will the teachers, will the, will the team even care that my children are there? Nursery? That's why it's important to be here 15 minutes early so that, so that the most precious possession that a non-fan has and they give that baby over to you, you're there ready going, I'm going to love your kid. I'm going to show your kid God's presence through my love. We prove what we think about this time by the way we treat it. The way we treat it. And you say, hey, 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 because the next question is this, right? Where's the bathroom? Ladies to the left and guys to the right, because maybe some of you are sitting there going, I wish I knew that during the connection time, because, whoo! And you go, hey, uh, come in here, come in here. I'm going to take you in here. This is our big room. This is where we celebrate. Uh, we... we Grab some chairs. Hey, hey, I want to show you. There's a connection board right back there. That's everything. That's gonna. That's what's going on here at, at Cross Point. We we want you to know what's going on. We we put that up there back there. And uh, hey, and 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 you know what, fans? You know what we're doing? We're filling up the front rows. Why? Those that are new. That guy's weird. That guy's a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> they need to be back as far as possible. You're used to me. They're not. <laughs> you know, when the service is done, we take the first three minutes and don't talk to people we know. We talk to people we don't know. Talk to people who are new. Then we've got the next ten to all the next week to talk to people we know. Are you wanting to show up to church? 
Or are you wanting to connect people to God's presence? We need people that are tour guides for our building. You're like, well, our building's not that big. But you know the first thing that will help people know if they fit in or not? Knowing the building. I'm going to substitute it Republic's high school. I have no idea where the teacher's lounges are. No earthly idea. I ain't going to ask either. Why? I'm asking, will I fit in? And if I'm asking that in my mind, I'm not going to ask where the teacher's lounge is or the teacher's bathroom is unless I just kind of happen, happen upon it. Why? Because I don't want that other teacher going, huh, sub. I feel like I'm on the outside. Why? I don't know the physical building. It doesn't matter that this building is small. It's huge to somebody that doesn't know it. They'll never fit in until they know the physical building. Why do we want to build a new building? Not to build a new building, but because this building does not connect people to people and people to God the way we feel like it needs to. We need a court of Gentiles. We need a large area. Did you notice how big the court of Gentiles was? Notice that? I think that's God's way of saying, I want as many as possible. I want as many as possible. And we need to build our building according to us. Figuring out the best way to lay out a building to connect people to people and people to God, especially those who don't know God. That's why we keep giving to Mission 2014. And if you haven't yet, that's why you still can give to Mission 2014 so that we can get there as quick as possible. We'll give an update next week to where we are. But some of the elders and Phil and myself met with the realtor this week. We're progressing we're going. We're trying to figure this thing out. Because all of us, all we've done is buy homes. I mean, we're going into avenues we've never been before. But what about you personally? Because we're only here an hour and a half a week or so. What about you personally? You're still God's presence among his people, for all people. So when you go to your job, that's why we showed this video, when you go to your job, you somebody that, as Mark Driscoll said about, about Russell Wilson, are you somebody that works hard, cares deeply, and produces results? Or do you just show up to get a paycheck? Which one is a sign to people who don't know God about God's presence in your life. Which one? Someone that works hard, cares deeply, and produces results, or somebody that shows up for a paycheck? God told us to work six days and rest one. I think the point of that was saying, bust your tail end off for six days. I'll give you one to rest. School? You're somebody that works hard, cares deeply, and produces results? You're just going to school. You're just going to school. 
What about your neighborhood? What about your neighborhood? You are God's presence to your neighborhood. How can you be a blessing to your neighbors by giving them grace upon grace of God's presence? This afternoon, when you go eat, can you be a blessing to your server instead of showing up at church and then sitting down at the restaurant and going, you better serve me! Here's your dime. And then leave servers going, I hate Sunday. How can you be (laughs) grace upon grace to your server in 30 minutes? But you know what we need more than anything else? You know what we need more than anything else? It's a heart. It's passionate for his house. Not his building, but his house. Did you catch that? Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. A heart that is passionate for his house, a heart that is passionate for his presence, a heart that is passionate for God to show up among his people, a heart that breathes day in and day out for his presence. Back in Deuteronomy, some of the same verses that we just read, God was laying the foundation for this. Deuteronomy 10, 15, yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all peoples, as you are to this day, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Some of you are like, whoa, just took a turn. Didn't expect that. All God is saying here is soften your heart. God chose you. That doesn't make you special. That just makes you chosen. So soften your heart. Make it be ready to be passionate for him. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. God is awesome. God is great. He is the God of gods. So circumcise your hearts. Make your heart soft so that you can be ready for that. But more than that, in the middle of all this, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. And he loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner. Love the foreigner. Love the non-fan. Therefore, for you were sojourners. You were non-fans before. You were non-fans once. How'd you come into the kingdom? Someone loved you into the kingdom of God. Someone was passionate about God. Someone knew that the God was the God of gods and the Lord of lords and he was mighty and he was awesome and he cared about you and they cared about you and they loved you into the kingdom of God. They saw that you were a non-fan once and loved you into his kingdom. 
So do that same thing for others. You shall fear the Lord your God, which is another way just to say you should be passionate about the Lord your God. You shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. And by His name you shall swear. That doesn't mean by His name you shall cuss. That means that by His name you shall swear. Meaning, His name is my name. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in heaven, saying, God has kept his promise. He is awesome. He's done these mighty works in your presence so that, so that your heart will bleed. Your heart will be passionate for him. And your heart will be passionate to bring non-fans, to bring the foreigners, to love them so that they will become a part of his kingdom. Those of you that are non-fans, I hope you excuse the passion. But we do this for you. We do this for you. Can you do something this week? One thing. One thing. Cry out to God. For his presence. Cry out to God for his presence. Whether you're a fan already or you're just checking this thing out, I challenge you, cry out to God for his presence. Cry out to God for his presence at Revive this next weekend. It's like a mashup between old time revival and, and, a, and, a, and a new student uh, weekend retreat. Cry out to God for his presence this weekend. I'll put stuff on Facebook all week long for you to pray, specifically. Can you do one thing this week? Cry out to God for his presence. Because we have to be passionate for his presence. We are not going anywhere if we're not passionate for his presence. We're getting in the habit of doing. Closing with one question. Do you want God's presence? Do you want God's presence? Because His grace upon grace means the God of this universe wants to be present with you. And the message of Jesus was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. We've used that now as a beat stick. That wasn't a beat stick when Jesus said it. It was a message of hope and a message of healing. It was a message saying, you've been told that God is far away from you because you're not good enough. And it's Jesus saying, you don't have to be good enough. God is already close. Just repent. Just figure that out and cry out to him and want his presence. Do you want God's presence? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I pray that you will move among us. Give us your presence. Let us see your presence 
and feel your presence and experience your presence. Maybe somebody that hasn't experienced that in a long time or has never experienced that before in their life. But let us, as your people, be passionate for your presence. Love for your house, love for your presence consumes us. Let us be a people that loves your presence and just wants more of it. Let us be a people that people will find your presence through us. We're entering into a time of reflections where we're going to sing some songs. Let this, let God be your praise. You're like, what does that mean? I don't know. Sounds cool though. Let God be your praise. I think what it begins to mean is that allow the words on the screen to enter into your heart and flow out through song. I can't sing. We don't care. Neither can the rest of us. That's why we're sitting down here. I'm going to be in the back. If you're somebody that says, I, I, I need God's presence, can you show me God's presence? I'll be back here. I'll turn my mic off. It'll be a safe, secure conversation. You just need to make that step. Are you wanting the presence? God. Let's stand as we worship. You have listened to the Cross Point Podcast. We want to answer your questions about Jesus. Feel free to ask us anything. Email at info at crosspointfellowship.net or like our Facebook fan page by searching My Cross Point. And remember, we are here to serve.